Warning, while Brandy and Andy may sound intelligent, you shouldn't take anything they say as financial advice. They are not financial advisors. They are just two men who enjoy beer and chatting about unrealistic scenarios. If they really knew what would happen, they wouldn't be telling you for free, would they? Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome to probably one of, if not the premier podcast, The Brandy and Andy Show. Wait, what was the name of it? The name, my dear friend, The Brandy and Andy Show. Wow, that sounds like a really good show. I'm so glad I'm listening to this right now. (laughs) What's going on, guys? What is up? It's been a while. It's been a week. That's too long. We need to adjust things here. Are you saying we should do two shows a week? Three. We got to give the people what they want, okay? They want two drunk dudes that have no idea what they're talking about just banter on for two hours. Three times a week. That's six hours a week. <laughs> quick maths. Six hours a week. Quick maths. Quick maths. So you're telling me you don't want to spend six more hours a week with me? Fair. Four more hours a week. And of course I do. That's fair. That's a cool. It's However. Cool. No hard feelings. I feel like the show is pretty dang perfect as it is. I but mean, this week. No, well, yeah. There's let's, always let's hear it. Let's hear it. improvement. Four more hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> four more hours four, four more hours, hours. four yeah, more yeah, hours yeah. oh it could happen one day it could once we start doing more bonus podcasts it could it'd be kind of fun how you doing bud doing all right yeah yeah it's been a it's been a good week dude i'm just you know the week flew I, by personally oh yeah it flew by really quick i'm i'm not really doing anything fun at work so like this week my work week was kind of slow but like I've had a lot of time for uh, Apex lately. <laughs> I don't know how many of our viewers play Apex. Oh, everyone rec- plays Apex. Come on. I recently got back into Apex. Yes. This is my best season so far. You're, yeah, you're killing it. My KD is the best it's ever been. Yep. It's amazing. I've won a few games How many now. wins you got? Yeah, three? I think four? three. Three or yeah. four now. You've sent three me three, I think. Now. And I've only been playing for a week. So I know that's not like really good, but like... I'm pretty sure that's more Dude, wins that's than I ever really had good. in the past, to be yeah, honest. I was going to say, I haven't gotten the win in three years. So, Also, we you never carry me when we play together, and then and then when you play without me, you go off. So I, we, what's going on? Okay, I don't Come under, I would, I would say that, like, the fact that that happens, like, I'm just trash at the game. But, like, when I don't play with you, I end up getting, like, five kills and almost 2,000 damage. And, I was like, going to say, I don't know. dude. Because earlier yeah. I had a five kill game with fifteen or sixteen hundred damage. Like I, I destroyed people that game. It was a good game. I just do I make you nervous? I think so. I think it's also playing twos. Threes is way easier. Threes is a little easier, but also you can get wrecked very quickly if you make yeah. a turn into the squad. You can just die. And might I just say, pugging threes is like, it's like, it's awful. It is like. It- what is pugging? Well, uh, playing with randos. Okay. Yeah, pugging's a word from my, you know, games back in the day. People be like, <laughs> "You want to pug pug this dungeon with us?" 
But no, just just playing with randos. It's terrible. Okay. Honestly, it gives me aneurysms. I hate yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It makes me want to just not play that game. But sometimes you get some really good people, and it's a really good game. What about you? How how was your, how was your week, Andy? It. I tell you what, daylight savings time has completely ruined me. I, oh, I feel I, that, dude. I literally can't fall asleep, and I wake up an hour before my alarm still, and it's terrible. Um, but with that being said, I had a great week actually. Um, work's been great, just smooth and smooth sailing and smoothing right along, and uh, just wheeling and dealing really. Um, nothing too crazy happened. Um, oh, my uh, Walmart almost blew up this week. That was fun. Yeah, I there's, got that Snapchat. Yeah, that was interesting. There's a, there's a plant next to Walmart that makes race fuel for like race cars, and one of their tanks exploded. Um, and there's just this huge black smoke cloud for about three or four hours. Um, and it kind of looked like they would get the fire out, and then it would just keep going. Cause like the smoke would go away and then all of a sudden there'd be a big black smoke tower again. That was kind of fun. Spice things up a little bit. Um, <laughs> Super spicy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got a story to tell. Yeah. Let's hear it. Yeah. So one of my good, my good buddies from growing up, Joey Bonin, he, uh, he messaged me, said he uh, found the podcast and really enjoys it. And uh, I told him I'd give him a shout-out. So here's a shout-out, a company with a story, Mr. Joey Bonin, one that you probably have not forgotten. Uh, this happened over 20 years ago, um, believe it or not. So, in Oregon, you're either a Beaver fan or a Duck fan. That's how college sports work here. You gotta pick a side, okay? Nation divided. It's and, called uh, Civil War for yeah, a reason, I guess. Civil War. They changed the name. We're not changing it. That name is not. Anyways, Civil War. So uh, whatever state you live in, you probably have some sort of college rivalry that everyone hates each other for one day. It's awesome. You trash talk, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm a Beaver fan. He's a Duck fan. One of the first times I meet him, uh, he's wearing a Duck hat. And I walk up to him, <laughs> rip the hat off his head throw it off onto the ground and just stomp it in. I think I was three years old and my dad pulls me away. He's like, why did you do that? What's going on? And I was like, dad, it's a duck hat. What do you mean? <laughs> like I expected him to be proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Sorry for the bad manners. Did not, uh, did not mean that Joe, but you definitely did get your revenge back when you pegged me with a pitch in eighth grade. Uh, right nice. in the ankle, yeah, right in the ankle. My whole foot turned blue. I could barely walk. Um, so you waited for the right moment, just like twelve years down the line, to put some punishment <laughs> in on me. So I'd, I'd say we're even. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening, bro. Hope you're doing all right. And uh, here's a good another good episode for you. Yeah, we got a lot of talked about. We do. We, we a, do. We got a lot to talk about. Brandy already cannot talk, and he's already he's only had two sips of his drink. <laughs> Brandy's Andy, how about you? Uh... <laughs> Sorry, no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I've had two ships of drinks, okay? Brandy's had two sips, and I've already had two of them, so. <laughs> how about you introduce the beer this week? Let's introduce it. Let's I just called it a beer. It. I just called it a beer. What did I say? I said we were going to end up calling it a beer. Guess what I just did? I called it a beer. Will you please introduce the cider for the week? The beverage of the week is one proper English pint of 
Sorta Sweet Cider by the Portland Cider Company. Coming straight out of Clackamas. Big lie there. Um, not, not in Portland. Uh, yes, Clackamas is the next town over, but not Portland. So right off the bat, you're tugging at my, you're tugging at my, you're tugging at my heartstrings, baby. Um, yeah. So we got a nice sort of sweet cider here. Um, no flavor, just apple cider. Um, they got a little scale for us. Um, it goes from dry to sweet. It's putting us right in the middle. So I guess you could call it sort of sweet. Um, that being said, we are drinking 16 ounce cans. Um, we each have the same can. Uh, we should go over, uh, just jump right into it. Really? Um, start talking about the label here. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, quick spoiler. Uh, I'm going to read, I, I'm going to read the label this time because you oh, always read it. I wanted okay. to so bad. Okay, read, no, read it. I just have, I just have a comment on it. So if you let me say my comment after you're done reading no, it. No, it's okay. I'm, that's I'll okay. You got it. A love song to the Oregon craft cider movement. Sorta Sweet is our most award-winning cider. Semi-sweet, refreshing, and everescent. The cider is a winning example of the marriage of the owners of Portland Cider an Oregon native and UK expat on a mission to bring quality cider to the world. To the world. To the world. What's your comment? So I noticed on the side, it says, one, proper English pint. Yep. What I noticed is, most of the time that you buy this cider, you can only buy it in pints. You cannot usually buy a six-pack. I have seen six-packs, but it's very rare. So I'm wondering if because one of the owners is from the UK, if they decided to mostly sell pints. I don't I don't know. I just I just wanted to make that correlation. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh yeah, probably. I mean it says pretty much said it's not in this guy is from the United Kingdom, so um but how do you how that. do you know it's the guy? It says an Oregon native and a UK expat on a mission. So someone from Oregon and someone from the United Kingdom got together and started making cider. Yeah, but you said it was a guy. Oh, excuse me for assuming his gender. I'm very sorry. <laughs> this is, listen, this is the way a cider should be. I like the can. It's all in the name. Sort of sweet. It is. And it is sweet. It is. It is I really sweet. like oh, it. Yeah. We'll get into taste in a minute. We will. And I'll tell you what I think about how sweet it is. Yeah. So we got vertical font, sort of sweet. It's in a see-through tealish color. Um, And then the background is like a farmhouse white, but it's like wood, painted wood, which is really cool. It's like gives it a nice texture. Um, We got a big apple. I'm guessing that's their logo, Portland Cider Company, big red apple. And it says, drink it. It's good. Drink it. It's good. Drink it. It's good. Sorry, it only said it twice, but I had to go three. Um, and then where Brandy read the flavor text, it is that same green, teal, blue color as the background, but you can still see the wood accent. They got a nice big real looking apple up top. Um, 100% Northwest apples, English traditions. So we are basically drinking... A European cider 
that is produced and manufactured all in Oregon. So an Oregon cider with a European twist, or is it a European cider with Oregon influence? What would you call it? Um, I think it has Oregon influence, to be honest. I don't uh, think cider is location locked, is it? It's pretty standard no. across. And if anything, you know, people, cider is becoming really big in Oregon, which is part of the reason I wanted to do this. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think Oregon is not yet known for its cider. Should be. Maybe. But I don't think it is. And uh, that's why I like it so much. That's why I like cider so much. Because it's a very growing thing. A lot of people are just kind of getting into it. Right. Uh, you got any comments about the can? Likes, well, dislikes? they won seven gold medal winner. Your can doesn't have that. But I noticed no, my can doesn't. doesn't have the a drink and it's good label. On the bottom? No, mine doesn't have that. So they definitely oh. changed up their label. We just definitely have bit. two very similar labels, but not quite the same. Yeah, with that being said, I would just like to say I went to a mart a mini mart to buy these ciders and the first one i opened was canned on june 6th 2020 that was nine almost 10 months ago so i'm having a nice age let's look at my second one let's see if it's got a date same date there you go so um the mart that i get all my beer from i might need to find another one because they are <laughs> They're letting their product just age on the shelves. Um, Brandy's, when he poured his, was bubbling for a good three or four minutes, and mine, yeah. no bubbles fact, producing. So, In fact, my, mine is actually still bubbling. That's insane. Quite, quite yeah. a bit, yeah. Mine, mine's got nothing. Do you see that? Oh, there's some little, there's a little bubble. There's yes. one little bubble. Do you see it? I, whoa, look at me. Oh, yeah, I see it. I see it. Oh, dude. <laughs> I really wish we had video going right now because that is a that is a beautiful sight right there, beautiful sight. But I, I didn't tell you how I feel about the label yet. No, no, no. What do you I got? really like it. It's old timey kind of, but it's also like super modern, which is pretty cool. <laughs> well, like you you get that like rustic feel from the wood in the background, right? Yeah, I feel it. <laughs> what are you laughing at, buddy? This is what you this is what you got for your description. Super old timey, but modern. I love it. <laughs> it's kind of like me. People say I resemble an old man, but I'm oh, a very modern too. old man, right? Yeah. Old souls till we die, baby. It's very interesting though. Does that not look like like it's almost very apparently photoshopped on there? Like it just doesn't I don't know, it doesn't feel like it matches with the rest of the thing. What? What were you showing me? The the apple. What apple? That apple. Does yours have a flower on it? Yeah, does yours not have a flower on it? No, it does. Okay. Does your does your can feel like it's a uh, matte? N uh, no, it's very glossy. See, mine feels very matty, like it's textured. Okay, so, well, I'm glad we're getting the differences out of the we way are. because then I can, you know, like that's probably. What 
they taste different too. We got different batches here. I'm wondering. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if yours does taste any different. I wish I was there to taste it. Mine is delicious. And when you took your first sip, you gave me the most disgusting face I've ever seen. Well, you got to remember, we're talking about brandy. I don't. I don't generally like off the shelf, off the shelf ciders. I don't like I, off the shelf ciders. I just like mine. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was mean. Yeah. It was a little bit mean, but it's also a little bit true. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I have a score. So do I. Um, I think it's. I think it's a cool label. I don't think it's like super like catches your eye. One thing I got to say about this is like, um, it really gets with my ADHD, and like, there's so many different things going on with the can that like I don't really know where to look. It's I'm very like looking sporadic. all over it. Very yeah. sporadic. Very different. Um. And I don't really like that, but, eh, you know, I digress. What are you going to give it? Oh, uh oh. It's definitely not, you know, a crazy can like we get from Rogue or uh, even Ridgewalker. I'm going to give it a 13. 13 for Brandy. That's fair. See, I really like that they did a background with the wood. Um, kind of cool. Just gives it some texture. Um, like their logo, just a simple apple. Um, I like that flavor text they throw on there. Um, this can is full, Brandy. This is a full 360 can. There are not any. Um, it's not two sided like two diff two separate labels that are the same thing. It's all one can. 360 is all different. Um, appreciate that. Um, I do like the color scheme. Catches your eye. It's very bold. And um, for that reason, I'm going to give it a 15 out of 20. That's a dang good score, 15 sir. 15 points, yeah. Um, Moving on to that... my favorite. This is your favorite? My favorite part. The tasting oh. part. Oh, the, the tasting, tasting part. part. I like the taste. I like the taste. All right, I'm going to take a sip. It's like apple juice, I swear, dude. It's so it good. It is. It is really good. There's like no overpowering alcoholic taste no. to it, which and it's, is really nice. It's still tart like ciders, it but it's very, it's very sweet, very crisp. Very it's crisp. It's like very like, fresh. It tastes it like tastes fresh like squeezed sh- apples. Yeah, I was going to say, it <laughs> tastes like a straight apple in my, it does. In my glass. It does. It is delicious. Um, uh I have to say, like, a lot of ciders nowadays just freaking throw so much sugar inside of their cider. Like, uh, not to call anybody out, Angry Orchard, their (laughs) ciders are so sweet to me that it's like I'm drinking apple juice with 10 scoops of sugar in it. Like, Like, it's it's like candy, kind of. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't, I really do not like that. Not only that, but those things are like 200 and some calories for one 12-ounce bottle. They're usually between 200 and 250 calories for a 12-ounce bottle. Dude. For those ones that are really sweetened. Now, I don't know how much is in this one because, like I said, we have have tall boys. I can't imagine it's as much. I'm I'm a big fan of um, almost naturally sweetened cider. Uh, and when you start running into those higher ABVs, that's when you know it is not naturally sweetened because the thing about apple juice 
is it tends to always start with a certain specific gravity, which is generally about 1.050. And you can only eat so much sugar as what's inside of that. Uh, now, when you look at these higher ABV ones, it means that they're adding a lot of sugars into it. Uh, and this one actually comes in at a 4.9%. So you do know that they're not just throwing, either they're not throwing a ton of uh, sugar inside of it, or they're not letting it ferment all the way through. I did a quick Google search and have the nutrition facts for this cider. I'd love to hear it. This is for a 12-ounce bottle. So um, we need to multiply this by 1.25 to get our... Um, well, I guess this is a twenty ounce. This is a twenty ounce can, huh? Nineteen point two. Yeah, so um, a little bit more, about forty percent more than what I'm gonna say. But for a twelve ounce can, um, you get one hundred seventy eight calories, zero grams of fat, zero grams of sodium, twenty one grams of carbs, and seventeen point five grams of sugar. Yeah, see, that's still quite a bit. That However, is, like I said, it's not a two hundred and fifty calorie cider. No, this. This is probably a uh, like a 35 grams in 20 fluid ounces, which is still yeah. quite a lot. It is. Think about it. it. Is. Yeah, it is. But I mean, I, that's you can get that much in an IPA too, that's to be true. honest with you. It's just when you're drinking four 250 calorie ciders, you're already up to 1,000 calories, and that's pretty <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> you're not even through your six pack Right, yet. no, exactly. Um, do you have anything else to comment up for the taste? No, it's a very crisp, clean apple flavor, not sweet. It definitely sticks to the, to the name of sort of sweet. Yep. Uh, and I like it. Yep. I have my score written down already. Okay, you go that for it. That means I'm sticking to it. I give it an 18 out of 20. Oh, wow. It is delicious. This is probably the best cider I've ever had in my entire life. Hands down, no contest, um, crisp, delicious it tastes. It actually tastes like apple. It doesn't taste like apple syrup or some fake apple, um, and very refreshing. Definitely. Um, I yeah, I would drink this again and again and again. I'm very glad that you decided to uh, pick this for us because I would never have tried this before. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could help you out. My score today is a sixteen. Sixteen for Brandy. All right. Moving on to aftertaste. 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 So what aftertaste is, um, if you don't know, Brandy, is um, if you take a drink and then um, a couple seconds later you taste what you taste in your mouth, that's what aftertaste is. So it's it's basically after you drink it is what you taste afterwards. So that's kind of where it gets its name, aftertaste. Um, but yeah, continue. I'm glad we clear that up. Thank you. I'm yeah. going to take a sip. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty clean flavor. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty clean aftertaste. You get a lot of apple at the end. You do. Not, not yeasty, not, well, it is a little sugary. But I like it. It's not, is... it's, it's, go ahead. It just, you know, it doesn't ruin the cider for me. No, all. it literally tastes like the cider. Yeah. It's a very <laughs> like clean the, flavor. Like the beer aftertaste is very hoppy and stale. And this just, it keeps it's like you're a surfer, okay? And you've got a 65-foot Mama Gamma coming at you. You're sitting right at the base of it, okay? Now, people think that when the wave is not at its apex anymore, that the wave is done surfing. 
No, no, no. You are not done surfing till you're off that board. And to finish out this analogy, imagine the wave is you taking a big old gulp of your Portland Cider Company sort of sweet cider. And then the aftertaste is you finishing that wave off all the way to shore, grabbing your girlfriend, bending her over, and just giving her the biggest kiss you've ever seen. That's what the aftertaste is like here. <laughs> so you're saying it's very enjoyable. I love it. It's the best yeah. after it's the best aftertaste of every beverage we've had on the show so far. It is also cider. It is. Yeah. So how do we grade that? Um I think raw. I don't think we even consider uh, the beer. I, I, These are two different no, no, be- exactly. bevies. Uh, so if anything, I think we compare this cider to every other beer we've drank. If anything, in the future, we separate them, we categorize them if we decide to do more ciders, which we probably will. But uh, we grade it the same. It's the same thing, pretty much. Just made out of apples, not malt and barley. Right. You're first. So, I'm going to give Aftertaste a solid 16. 16 repeats his taste score. Okay, that's fair. I was going to give it a 17. Nothing to complain about. Probably could have graded it higher. Um, but I feel like an 85% is not too bad. I would take that. I want to complain to the teacher. Um, yeah. So this is my favorite portion of the podcast. Literally, the only reason I record this podcast is to do this segment right here. Drinkability, baby. No, no. Wait. We got to do smell. You missed one, Andy. No, smells last now, big boy. We changed. Oh, that's right. I forgot we moved it. Big boy. That is my bad. That is your bad. I've got the. I've got the. Come on, I've got the hard copy right in front of me. (gasps) I forgot we did that. Okay, okay, okay. Drinkability, dude. You are not reading the emails the producer sent us, are you? No, dude. I I started. They just started going to my junk mail. I don't know why. It's not like I set up, you know, like a a filter or anything. Why would I do that? Gosh. Oh my gosh. But yeah, drinkability. What we do in this segment is we grab the drink with our hand. We put it to our lips oh so softly. And we take a two-second chugger, rugger, because that is how you determine if a drink is drinkable or not. You take an extended chug. So here we go. Cheers. Wait, should we cheers? Yeah, cheers. Clank. (laughs) Okay. The alcohol taste comes out a little bit. Yes, it's a, a lot more tart. A little bit more when you chug it, yeah. The aftertaste doesn't really... I wouldn't say the aftertaste changes too much. But the alcoholic taste definitely comes out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But here's the great thing about cider. You're not always chugging it. In fact, I don't think I've ever really chugged cider. So... I got nothing to complain about. Oh, you got a little head there. A little head going. About to spill over. We haven't had a spill yet here on Brandy and Andy's show today. Today, yes. I was going to say, last episode, though, not so much. It went everywhere, all over my keyboard. What else? That's all I really got for it, Andy. I'd like to know what you think Oh, about the drinkability. So, initial thought, very tart, in a good way. It It reminded me of Sweet Tarts Candy. Have you ever had sweet tarts? 
I do like sweet tarts. They're kind of hard to chew, but they have good flavor. That is ex- this could be this two second chug could be a sweet tart flavor. <laughs> it could be literally taste. It would fit so perfectly with their flavors. It tasted exactly like that. Um, but I didn't get any. It tasted the same still. Usually with the beer, it's a lot more stronger, but this one was just more tart. The flavor find- was the same. Did you find um, that alcohol flavor a little bit stronger? A little, a little or, bit, a little yeah. bit. I can't, I can, honestly can barely, barely no. taste any alcohol yeah. in this. Like, it tastes like apple juice. It's delicious. Um, but yeah, just a little more tart, and I very much enjoyed it. I could I could do that again. I think that something, maybe just spitballing here, something we could start doing is comparing the drinkability also to its uh, alcohol content. Because it tends to be that stronger drinks are not as drinkable, right? Right. That's, That's not always the case. Yeah. That's not always the case. There's some darker beers that I wouldn't consider very drinkable uh, in, in the context of drinking multiple right. or drinking them fast. Uh, comparing this to its alcohol content, I think it's perfect. Absolutely yep. perfect. Yep. And I think... I might do something crazy here. So, um, it's my turn to go. F- is it my turn to go first? Oh yeah, no! Yeah, go for it. All right, we're going crazy. Get crazy. Get wild. Let's party. Get wild. If you want to have fun, to do something, dude. I don't know why I'm in a singing mood tonight. Is that okay? Oh, that's fine. I like okay. it. I enjoy. Okay, it. Okay, good. We'll we'll keep that going throughout the uh, episode. Okay, okay. I'm giving it a 19, bro. A 19. 19. Woo! Is that that probably is my highest score yet? That's no, that's a good score. This in is gonna fact, be this is gonna be my highest scored drink. I've done this a couple times where I have rated drinkability higher than taste, and I think there's a reason for that. Um, drinkability is something that keeps me going back for it, right? Right. Like the taste is a big factor in that, but the drinkability is, in my opinion, a bigger factor because if I can't if if it tastes really good, but I can't drink you know, more than one or whatever. I don't, I don't want to buy it again. This one has an excellent drinkability. I'm going to have to agree with you. I'm going a 19. Let's go. That's incredible. Yeah. Two 19s. Yeah. Two 19. Pretty good. Two 19. Two 19. Let's go. Pat's clanking. He throws the ball (laughs) deep. Brandy down the sideline. He jumps. Who's got the ball? Brandy's got it. Woo! 19! 19! With that being said, let's get olfactory with it. Olfactory with it. I got my olfactory senses tingling. Brandy's on the mic. He's jingling. Hey. Woke up in the morning and I'm tinkling. What? (laughs) Got some cupcakes and I'm sprinkling. Oh, oh nice. That was my, yeah, that was my four bars of fury right there. Remember that one time when I told you, told the podcast about how I made this thing that we called the yeasty beastie because it was so yeasty that if you would even just smell it, you couldn't drink it afterwards. <laughs> Absolutely. This is the complete opposite. <laughs> no yeast. I don't think they even used yeast to be honest with you. You think they just naturally fermented it? No, I think that dude from UK is like into witchcraft and he went like this. Hey, my yabba, who my yamba, hey, my yang gang. And he like 
chanted with six of his other witch friends and they like danced in circles and held hands and lit candles and stuff. Well, they are from Portland. They they very well could have just thrown a bunch of crystals in it and it just <laughs> magically turned into alcohol. <laughs> That's true. And you know what else they do every night? They sage they sage their whole brewery. Oh, no. Every cor- every corner of it. <laughs> Dude, I'm surprised I'm surprised their cider doesn't freaking taste like sage cuz let me tell you when Julia saged our house everything tasted like sage for an entire week. <laughs> do you still get hints of it here and there? Um, I kid you not for a week straight. It's all you could smell. And you know how usually you, you get used to a smell and you don't smell it anymore? This was not that. Not sage. I would get out of the shower and all I could smell is sage everywhere. I already smelled like sage by the time I got out of the shower. Oh, no. Good thing you work from home or everyone would think you're in like a cult or something. No kidding. <laughs> no. Well, people probably already think that. I never leave the house. No, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> like, What is that guy doing in there? And they just hear like sporadic yelling at random times throughout the day. He smells like sage. He has crystals on his on his uh, windowsill because I do because Julia keeps crystals out there. <laughs> I have lavender water on the back deck getting moonerized because apparently you have to leave it in the moon so that it becomes charged with something. I don't really understand. I'm definitely in a cult. I'm dying, dude. <laughs> Listen, I love my girlfriend, but um It's gotta get rise or something. What? what did I ever tell you about that? Dead no. winter last year. She made this water thing. I don't know. Put uh lavender in it, a bunch of other things in it. I don't really know what she put in it. Well, she leaves it outside to charge in the moonlight because it was gonna be a full moon. Okay. And I in in the morning. She goes, hey, B, can you go outside and can you get my moon water for me? And I just looked at her like, what? <laughs> You're what? You, what what do you, do you the, the, what did the moon do to your water? And she's like, oh, it charged my water. It's out there on the, it's out there on the bench. Can you just go get it for me? Because if the sun comes up and the sun hits it, it's just going to ruin all of it. And then I can't drink it. So I go out there and I grab it and it's frozen, frozen salt. I'm like, Julia. <laughs> Did this did this ruin your moon water? Because no, it's the... frozen solid now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh Julia. I thought I told you that story. I never told no, you that story. I don't story. think I've heard that one. Oh, that's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if Wait. you like if you like crystals and moon water, I'm not judging you. I'm just saying, like, I didn't expect that from my girlfriend. It was it was it was funny. It was interesting. I think we should just Get this over with and smell this beer. Okay. okay. <laughs> Cider. Um, it smells, it smells exactly su- like it tastes. It does. It smells sweet. I get this. I get this smell. Okay, that I'm not really sure what it is. It's like vinegary, but I feel like Almost. all cider kind of has. But that. it doesn't. It doesn't taste that way. No, it's not a, at all. It's a smell that I'm not picking up in the taste, but I don't really know how to explain what that smell is. Could it be the yeast? Probably not. Probably not. They have a pretty good way of clearing out their uh, cider in a commercial yeah. setting. If you got something from a commercial setting that tasted like yeast, I would be very, very worried. <laughs> I like it. It's good. It's good. It does definitely does not smell like straight apple juice, but it's good. 
or cider. Yeah, that's all right. I got my score. I I have a score too. I think it's my turn. I'm going to give it, because I don't know what that smell is, uh, I'm going to give it a 16. 16, ladies and gentlemen. 16 points for Brandy. 16 points for Team Brandy! Woo! Uh, I give it a 15. Um, not bad. Smells like a taste. Uh, there is a little bit of something else going on there that, uh, kind of is off. It's, it's not off-putting. It's no, just I wouldn't call like, it off-putting either. It's just it, like, what is that? Yeah, literally, like, I don't know how to describe that smell. I think vinegar is a very close way to describe it, but at the same time, like, it's not vinegar, you know? Right. Because vinegar has that super distinct, you know, like, almost nose burn. Right. Nose pucker, if you will. That gets us into our main meat. Wait, you going to tell us the final scores? No. Oh, okay. I'm cool with that. Let's just nah, get the I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yanking um, your chain. I'm just yanking your chain. So, Brandy, he decided today was a good day. And he was feeling generous. And he gave out a pretty good score. 13 for label appearance, 16 for taste, 16 for aftertaste, 19 for drinkability, and for those olfactory people out there, a 16. Giving him a final score of 80 out of 100. Oh, wow. That was a yeah, good score. Yeah, 80 out of 100. And for myself, Andy, 15 for label appearance, 18 for taste, 17 for aftertaste, 19 for drinkability, 15 for those olfactory folks out there, giving me a final score of 84. Holy cow, this is... Oh, the, this this just in. The Brandy and Andy show. Breaking news. Had a breaking news. Bum, We've bum, had a breakthrough. Bum. I am pretty sure this is the highest score that has the ever been highest. given to any brew that has ever been reviewed on the Definitely. Brandy and Andy show. Definitely. I think by one point, too. Only one point. I think I think I gave Ridgewalker an 83. I'm pretty sure. So I think you close. did. Yeah. However, this is definitely going to be the highest overall score that we have ever given to any brew. Easily. And it probably will stand for a while. I'm not sure. We'll see what we do next week. It could just absolutely obliterate it. That's true. It could. Who knows? It could. We also could it choose could. a terrible beer and just trash it. Who knows? <laughs> so yeah, 164 out of 200 um, or an 82% on the wow. Brandy and Andy scale. Yeah. That is passing by college standards. I'd take it. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to cover about this here cider we got? Uh, this was a completely unbiased opinion and review of the Portland Sorta Sweet Cider. And I think it's time to move into the main meat. What do you think, Andy? I think so. And I think you are going first. Yes, sir. I'd be happy to. All right. Well, with that being said, welcome to the next segment of our podcast. The part where we're a bit loosened up at this point and... We just want to talk stock, really. That's all we're here to do. So take it away, Brandy. As Andy said, every week we present to you two different tickers. This week, my ticker is Canoe. Canoe 
or the ticker symbol GOEV, is a California-based manufacturer of electric vehicles designed around a modular electric platform, a.k.a. the skateboard platform. Purpose-built to deliver maximum vehicle interior space and adaptability to a wide range of vehicle applications for consumers and businesses. Canoe expects to operate under three primary approaches, a new business model that focuses on production and infrastructure costs to make EVs more affordable to customers. If you don't know what an EV is, electric vehicle, we talk about these all the time here on the Brandy and Andy Show. A fresh design capitalizing on the space EVs provide, and alternative usership models that put an end to ownership, providing hassle-free and commitment-free car experiences in modern cities. Now, I know what you're thinking. We talk about EVs all the time. In fact, I don't think there's been a single podcast that we have not mentioned some sort of electric vehicle. Avenue. Now, um, I can understand how maybe that might be a little bit annoying, but here's the thing. I truly believe electric vehicles are the next big thing. I think that they're ever-evolving. Well, I wouldn't say ever evolving, but they're definitely evolving at a very quick rate because they are so new. They're trying to figure out what is the best solution to producing and supplying electric vehicles uh, to consumers. That's why I find them so fascinating, and that's why we're talking about them again this week. So let's talk a little bit about Canoe's business model. Uh, Canoe expects to launch its first consumer model in 2022, simply named The Canoe. The canoe, which, which will be available via commitment-free subscription, a subscription. We're not talking about you go to a dealership and you buy this vehicle. We're talking about you pay some type of plan to have this vehicle in your name, drivable by you. So there won't be any extreme upfront fees. There won't be any long-time commitment. It's a subscription. It's like Netflix. Think of it like Netflix. One more thing to add to your monthly payments. Love it. Shortly after, Canoe plans to release a multi-purpose delivery vehicle and a sport vehicle. So at this point, what they're pretty much saying is they're going to release a vehicle which will be used by everyday consumers. They're going to release a delivery vehicle that can be used for commercial purposes and a sports vehicle for the people that want something a little more... How do you say luxurious, I guess? Because Canoe, uh, the OG Canoe, the one that will be based off a subscription model, is almost van-like in a way. <laughs> it's it's very interesting. It's now, I don't know how many... <laughs> I mean, it, it is, it's very slick and modern. You know what it reminds me of? Is it looks a lot like a Volkswagen bus. I truly think it looks like a Volkswagen bus. A little um, more industrial than that, but... De- yeah, yeah, I would say. Now, they had some interesting news last week. Last week, they actually announced that they're going to release a canoe pickup. Very interesting. It's a purpose-built pickup with dozens of modular and interchangeable options, which we will talk about later because the whole idea of this modular skateboard platform is that it can be used on multiple vehicles and provide different scalable options based on the vehicle that you want to drive can i just say i just looked at the link you sent me for the truck what in the world is going on 
Yeah, so what? I I'm gonna talk a little bit about that here in a little bit. So let's hold let's let's let let's hold on just a little bit longer, and we'll talk about the pick 'em up truck. Oh my! Uh, for now, goodness. I want to talk a little bit about the foundation of this vehicle, which yeah, again is the modular skateboard platform. Let's it looks talk like skateboards. What? Skateboards? No, I was gonna say let's talk I've, skateboards. Yeah, I've always wanted to put a couple motors on a skateboard. Just saying, I know they already do that, but like I've always wanted to put like you know like a gas engine, like a a freaking uh lawnmower engine on the back of my skateboard, just rip that sucker and go flying down the street. Well, just buy a canoe because it's a skateboard with an engine on it. Boodoom. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> so the skateboard flatborm takes on the shape of a double wishbone with two fiberglass leaf springs and dampeners mounted to the frame, which will eliminate the need for large suspension towers. Essentially, what they're saying here is the suspension will be mounted behind the wheel rather than expand uh, far above where the wheel and the hubs are. Um, which will actually reduce the amount of area between the wheel and the actual body of the vehicle so canoe has developed a complete set of proprietary high performance powertrain systems specifically for the skateboard platform uh, and they developed all this in-house this is all by them they're not outsourcing from another company this is all developed specifically by canoe now i'm assuming they probably get their parts to do it from other people but the actual design is designed by canoe now, these skateboard platforms can support three different types of high-performance powertrain systems, if you will. Uh, a dual, which would be a motor in the front, a motor in the back, meaning you're driving both the front wheels and the rear wheels on their own motors. Uh, a front wheel design, as well as a rear motor configuration. Now, all said and done, this is capable of achieving 500 horsepower over and up to a 300 mile range. Now, if we break that down, if you only get the rear, you can achieve up to 300 horsepower. Whereas if you only get the front motor, you can achieve up to 200 horsepower. So this is a little bit interesting because when we think about horsepower in a typical vehicle, um, we're talking about the horsepower that's coming from the motor, which this is what it's talking about. It's talking about the horse horsepower that's coming from individual motors. Now, when you do things like you dyno a vehicle, you're talking about the specific horsepower that's sent to the wheel. I don't really understand how any of this works because I'm used to, you know, one motor powering four wheels. I don't really understand how it's super practical to have 300 horsepower in the rear and 200 in the front. I don't really understand that. But again, they're marketing as a total of 500 horsepower when you combine the two motors. Interesting. Um, it's, it's important to note that this modular skateboard platform is used in every single one of their vehicles. It does not change. It is the same motors, the same skateboard in all of their vehicles. It's cool. very, very, very important to remember this when we talk about some things later on. Hey, I have a question. Yeah, ask um, away. Yeah, so... Can you technically have a vehicle that has a 300 horsepower motor and a 200 horsepower motor and call it five? That's not 500 horsepower. But that's what they're doing, which is that doesn't that's not how yeah, it works, is it? That's that's exactly what I was trying to kind of get at was like 
yeah, technically you're supplying somebody with 500 horsepower and that's what they're claiming. But like you have 300 horsepower. Yeah. You're, you're literally running. If anything, wouldn't you think that you would have to take the average of the two? Right. No, exactly. 100%. So I don't really understand why they can market it that way. I guess they're not lying when they say, Hey, 500 horses in this thing, take it. They're really not lying technically. Right. Right, but they're also, it's 300 horsepower in the back and 200 in the front. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I it don't know, really that, make sense that seems weird. It does. But but then again, we've never seen a vehicle with multiple uh, engines in it, so. No, and not only that, but why could they not put a 300 horsepower engine in the front if they can put it in the rear? Right. It's supposed to be a modular skateboard platform. Wouldn't you think that the front and the rear would be exactly the same? In terms of dimensions? Right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. There's probably a reason. There probably is. Cost. <laughs> Speaking of cost, we're going to talk about that right now. Canoe has the ability to house almost all of its mechanical components in the skateboard platform itself, which is something they claim will reduce the development of new vehicle models by 18 to 24 months. Because since it's using the same modular frame, new models will not have to go through as much testing and development and get and this kicker they claim crash testing will not need to occur for each vehicle oh my you can't do that i don't know i why would I they don't say understand. that publicly i guess because you're reusing the frame i don't know because you would think okay so the body has all the crumple zones in it right exactly the frame so has you, nothing to do with crash test rating. Right. I mean, I guess like in a way it does because like when you crash test, you also measure the displacement of the frame uh, when it comes in collision with something. But like right. you have to think about the body here. Like the body has a very big impact on how the driver is going to be affected by a crash. Uh, yeah. And think about two years from now when they come out with a new model that has all different materials for the body and you get hit from the side like your driver doors like it hasn't been crash tested like right like what what do you mean that is how does that pat like what did the government say that's okay like what how can they make this claim i guess is what i'm trying to get at well kind of crazy i guess there's also a lot here that we don't fully understand oh absolutely I, you know like yeah you and i both can admit that like we don't know everything about what we're talking about but this is what they're claiming. This is what they have publicly said. So I hope they're not lying like, uh, you know, a certain company that we talked about in the past. Nicola. How you doing, Trev? Good to talk to you, man. Sorry. I just want to okay. meet Trevor Milton. I do. <laughs> Pick his brain. Dude, it, it, I think it would be a very interesting conversation. In fact, it would be a great interview to have on this podcast. He, Imagine no, he, if we landed that. Bro, he would be like, he'd be like, yeah, bro, come over. My parents went to bed. And then like, it'd be like midnight. He'd be like, want to push our family car down the hill? He'd be like, yeah, sit in the sit in the driver's seat and pretend you're driving. But you're not, but but you are. And we can film it. <laughs> We can film it, bro. You'll be, be you'll be badass. You'll be sick. Hey, and if you if if you're nice enough to me, I'll I'll push it up a mountain and then I'll push you down and you can just see see what happens because there's no drivetrain in it. It's just the chassis. Yeah, it's it's, it's a chassis. <laughs> Hell, there's not even a steering uh, wheel. 
goodness. I can't wait till those Nikola trucks come out. I'm buying one right away. Dude. Nah. I'm pretty sure you can put like $100,000 down to pre-order one. You should. That's you should do that. Instead of, I know you're saving up for a house right now, but you know what you should do is you should take all of your savings. You should cash out a Neo, cash out of every single stock that you have right now and throw all that towards a nickel. Oh my gosh. I better get my freaking name plaqued on the factory or something. I bet you could. You might be the only one that buys one. <laughs> hey, that factory dude, it's supposed to be done three months ago. We're just a bit behind schedule. Okay. It's coming around. <laughs> Oh Three wait, they're supposed later. to Yeah, they're supposed to have produced cars at the started to Uh-oh. Oh no. Uh-oh. Don't even get I... us started on the half-built factory they made. Uh-oh, I think I think they might have some issues going on. We'll come back to Nikola. Maybe they'll get their act together in a week or two. We should actually check back up on them in a bonus episode. I was going to say I'm going to check their soon. stock price. But yeah, keep going. Okay, so now we've kind of talked about how their vehicle works. Let's talk about the actual vehicles themselves. Right now, they have three, well, three in quotations, three different models that they are talking about selling or subscribing to, I guess. The first consumer model they'll release is called the Canoe, which is the one we previously talked about. This will be the direct-to-customer subscription-based vehicle. Kind of looks like a Volkswagen van, kind of interesting. Again, you got to pay for it monthly or however they decide to do it. And the whole premise behind the canoe is that they want to free its users from long-term financial commitments, hidden costs, and stressful dealership and DMV trips with ownership by offering a simple EV subscription for one monthly affordable, all-inclusive price. Subscription will include services such as registration, maintenance, which I'm actually very surprised they include maintenance in that. Insurance management, which is also very interesting. That means that they're going to offer insurance directly through them. Or maybe they might partner with somebody. I guess we'll find out. Uh, And charging. All from a single app. Now, Andy, remember those bikes we used to have on campus? Yes. Those ones that you could rent from your phone? Disgusting. Do you remember how many we'd... Remember how many we'd find in ditches? It was literally like the trash of the town. They're all terrible. It, it literally was. We had this bike shop. Sadly, they went out of business. They're no longer there. Oh, they did? Actually, yeah. Oh. So a uh, a little bar type thing took over their building. But I'm pretty sure at the time, the only thing that was keeping them open was these bikes. because people Spin trashed- bikes, bro. Yeah, dude. Spin bikes. Yeah, that's what they were. Yeah. yeah. People trashed these things so bad. That like some of them didn't even have tires on them anymore or all of the tires would be popped or everything on it would just be completely bent. I remember walking by the bike shop one time and there had to have been 50, 60 just, bikes yeah, in down the, the side of it. Like yeah, just, the whole building just yeah, in a row. Just insane. Now, I'm not saying people are going to be able to get away with that with this vehicle, but I'm just saying like if people did that to things that weren't theirs. With this subscription-based model, what is to say that people won't do something like that to these vehicles? Now, they probably won't be able to get away with it as easily. Andy, you there in the front. You got a question? No, not at all. Oh, okay. I thought you were raising your hand. No, I was just being silly. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I don't know, dude. This is just, it's weird. It's weird the fact that they want to sell these 
or sell these vehicles as a subscription. I don't know. I don't know. I guess because it's a monthly thing, you're not tied into a contract. It makes it much more, much easier to do something like that because if it breaks down, like, do you really have an obligation to it? Not really, but you know. Now they also have another vehicle. It's called the multi-purpose delivery vehicle, which is the delivery vehicle that I had talked about earlier, uh, which will have limited availability beginning in 2022. By the way, the canoe is supposed to be released by the end of this year, the regular canoe, the one direct to customer. This one by the end of next year. These vehicles will start at $33,000, which means they will not be subscription-based and go up based on the modular choices a user wishes to install on them. Meaning these vehicles are 100% customizable. Customizable. Thank you for that, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> so basically you're telling me for $33,000, I can buy a skateboard um, without a drivetrain on it and roll it down a hill? No, they have a chassis. They have a chassis. <laughs> they they have a base chassis at the very least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one actually has a motor, believe it or not. What? Yeah, yeah. Two Does actually, it work? if you want two of them. I think so. Not Whoa. very well. Not very well from what I can tell. Whoa. And I say that because I'm about to talk about specs. Let's talk about because specs. Because the specs blow me away. The MPDV2 will come in two different flavors. Whoa. The MPDV1. One? What's with the second one? MPDV2. Yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah. MPDV1. MPDV2. Creative. I love it. <laughs> the MPDV1 with 200 foot feet cubed of cargo volume. Wow. 130 to 230 mile range. 1500, 1540 to 1980 payload capacity. Say the range pounds. again. Let's talk about the range. What? What, what if I don't Did you what say 130? Buddy, if you think that's bad, you just wait till we talk about the MPDV2 and the pick em up truck. You said 130 to 220? Is that what you said? 130 to 230. You're, You're likely even... going to get the lower end of that. Bro, bro, imagine you rent this vehicle on the subscription service to move. Okay, so the MPDVs you can't rent, but the canoes I'm pretty sure have like the same range-ish type deal. That is insane, dude. What? I I, I am pretty sure the canoes were rated 200 plus, uh, no more than 350. So it's really not that much more, right? Uh, The MPDV2 has specs of 450 cubic feet of cargo volume, 90 to 190 mile range 1320 to 1760 payload capacity these stand out to me because the mileage is garbage garbage you couldn't just awful this is this an american or european car this is 100 percent american made and it's actually what? how they're marketing the truck they're marketing the truck as a 100 percent american made pick up truck now here's God's the thing you, to them. You, you can go from like 20 percent to 80 percent in like 25 minutes or something like that oh that's not bad but you're talking about a hundred <laughs> you're talking about a hundred mile range you know increasing your range by 100 miles in 25 minutes i'm pretty sure the tesla can do more than that but something to keep in mind 
this is a skateboard model, bro. So when new battery technology comes out, you can swap the battery just real quick. Dude, do you think you think they put grip tape on the bottom of the <laughs> on the top of the skateboard platforms? Can you customize your grip tape? What yeah, about bro. pink grip yeah, tape? Yeah, bro, you put stickers on the bottom. <laughs> and bro, these trucks that I got, next level. And my bearings, fresh. No way, dude. No way. <laughs> Uh, and oh, I'm man. just going to wrap this up. We're yeah, so yeah. close to being there. And finally, as of last week, the newly announced pick em up truck called the Canoe Truck. That's what I called it. It didn't actually have a name. But okay, that's what I'm I was going to say, yeah. that's, that's what they came up with? No, check 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 these specs, bro. Check these specs. All right, let's Features, hear it. 600 horsepower. Whoa. 550 foot-pounds of torque. Oh, my. 200-plus mile range. Baseline okay. because you can get rear wheel or you can get dual motors. Okay. Uh, the vehicle can come equipped with accessories such as pull out bed extensions, fold down work table and cargo storage, flip down side tables. I'm not even kidding you. They're tables. Side step them, and yeah. storage, modular bed with space dividers, multi accessory charge ports. Dude, there was five 24 volt volt plugins on that thing. I know that I saw. would drain your 200 mile range in about 10 minutes to five mile range. It said it said you could run your tools all day without lapsing 10 percent of the battery. No way. And, There's wait, no wait, way. Wait, wait, wait. Let me read it. Let me read it. Let me read it. Here's what it said about it. It says, um, pick this pickup truck can double as a power plant with exportable power accessible for all sides of the vehicle power can last all day for tools and devices with as little as 10% impact on the vehicle range do you believe that honestly no i guess it depends what you're plugging into it are they plugging in the cheapest things possible like just a sander or two like well, there's no way you can put an air compressor maybe a saw maybe even two saws you know a sander run them all at once all day and still only lapse 10 percent of your battery it does take a lot more energy to move a x thousand amount pound vehicle x amount of miles compared to that's, running a skill saw that's very for true a couple hours right. but i believe the 10 percent is a little optimistic i i yeah that if you put it that way yes i have to agree now they also provide integrated overhead and bed perimeter lighting pretty standard on truck roof rack and camper shell and i kid you not this thing is not just a camper shell that you put on most trucks it is legit a tent it is like a, a freaking solid tent on the top of your your top of your canoe this thing kind of looks like a humvee when you put that tent extender on it it kind of does it looks kinda like a military does. vehicle i brandy the first first thought i thought it was the most disgusting thing but it's grown on me man i i would buy would, one of these they're kind of cool they're kind of cool no okay, no I'm Andy, no listen i'm being serious Let, let's go back to it's very I futuristic move. i want to move and i have a 200 mile range we're gonna let's go back to what we talked about with nicola they're claiming these incredible mile ranges right when you're at load you're not going to get that mileage that they're claiming that's true but i'm not moving my entire life so you're you're not but if you're trying to move halfway across the country <laughs> like you you're not you're gonna have to you're gonna have to stop I'm not even joking if you get that 200 mile range dude you have to stop hours. Like 30 times yeah like that's that's pretty ridiculous <laughs> oh if you my ask gosh me. 
But I think it's and, sick, dude. I like it. <laughs> I do. What are your thoughts? You, you do you like the like looks of it? or like... I like how it looks, dude. I, I would drive it. The look is actually pretty cool. It's kind of cool. You know, the 600 horsepower, um, if they actually get that out of it, that is very impressive for a truck. Very impressive. The 550 foot pounds of torque, again, very impressive. I'm just not impressed at the range. Not at all. But I'm saying, bro, battery technology is going to, it's like graphics cards. Right now, we are just seeing incredible leaps. And if you can just throw new batteries in there, I don't know. Could be. uh... And that is something interesting. I did not look up whether or not Canoe wants to do BAAS. So, and if they did do that, that would kind of be a big deal. That would definitely be a big deal because I that means like, every three hours you pull in, you get it changed out. Five minutes, you're on the road again. I feel like uh, they would be marketing that by now, or at least I, I feel said like something too. about that. So I don't think they would be established enough to do something like that right no. now either. No, no. Do you own any stock in this company? No, I don't. And the reason for that is because I wanted to talk about this company because of what I said earlier. I think the EV community is something that we should all be keeping our eyes on for the next big thing. I think what's coming out of this company right now is too early to tell whether or not it could be the next big thing. But I do think this company is something that I'm going to keep watching. Uh, I'm not going to buy into it right now, but it's a company that I'm going to keep watching because I find it very interesting. And I'm very curious if another company, a more established company will come along, do almost the identical thing, and it actually works. I think there's a chance. Yeah. Very small chance. It depends what direction America goes within the next five to ten years. Yeah. Um are we gonna be serious about these zero emission claims like Calif I think California by twenty forty or thirty said zero zero um or hundred percent emission free vehicles on the road. Um if that's the case, people are gonna need an affordable option. Um, and it sounds like Canoe is pretty affordable compared to um, other electric vehicles. Do you know how much the subscription is going to be? I don't think they have released any specifics. I know that they release press conferences very often, and I'm sure it's something we're going to hear about very soon. Yeah. Probably like re- something ridiculous, like 500 bucks a month or something. Probably. I was So I actually have a question for you about that. Uh, that I wanted to kind of end this with because I think it's food for thought for everybody that's listening right now. Is this the future of purchasing a vehicle? No. EV or not, is it the future? The, what no. do you mean? Like their 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 The business? subscription-based model. Is this no. model of purchasing no. a vehicle the next big thing? Not in America. Possibly in Europe or China, but not in America. Um, I feel like here there's too much proudness going on where your money goes um to something that that you can feel um that you've earned and i believe if you are renting a vehicle that um it's not going to really catch on um because it's not you don't technically own it from what i understand i don't know um so no i don't think so not in america all right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for me. Uh, let's hear what you got, Andy. Yeah. Ticker of the week number two. Ticker of the week. So 
I'm going to be talking about electric vehicles. Um, I've had this electric vehicle company picked out for a long time, and it's a sleeper pick. Um, and I really am excited to talk about them because I think they could have a very, very big future in electric vehicles. Um, just kidding about all of that. I'm not doing electric vehicles. I'm doing the opposite. We're doing diesel rigs, baby. We're doing pollute the environment. Get work done. We're doing Caterpillar. C-A-T, Caterpillar. We all know what a cat is. It's a backhoe. It's a dump truck. It's whatever big piece of equipment that you need to get the job done. That's what Caterpillar does, okay? Let's jump right into it. Caterpillar, ticker symbol, C-A-T, otherwise known as cat. Yellow square, black writing in the middle, cat. We've all seen it. It's everywhere. Everyone, I don't care what country you're in, you know what Caterpillar is. But I'm going to tell you what they are, if you don't. <laughs> Caterpillar is a corporation that designs, develops, engineers, manufactures, markets, and sells machineries, engines, financial products, and insurance to companies via worldwide dealer network. They are the world's largest construction equipment manufacturer. Founded April 15th. 1925, making them 20, scratch that, 95 years old. They are founded by CL Best. Their headquarters are located in Deerfield, Illinois. I really like is that, that where, name. Is that where John Deere's from, too? I hope so. Caterpillar is currently hosting around 100,000 employees and is one of the top 100 largest companies in America and the top 300 largest companies in the world. So, yeah. Put that into perspective. You can't. Your little human brain can't wrap your head around that, and that's okay. Let's roll into the history segment. Because Andy loves company history. That's where... Everything happens. Steam tractors in the late 1800s, early 1900s were very, very heavy, weighing up to 1,000 pounds per horsepower, and would sink into the earth. Benjamin Holt attempted to fix this problem by increasing the size of the wheels up to 7.5 feet in height and up to 6 feet wide, producing a tractor that is a grand total of 46 feet wide. Could you imagine, Brandy, a tractor that has wheels that are seven and a half feet tall and six feet wide can you just can you picture that in your brain what would those would look like steamrollers like that's pretty wild what let's keep going a 45 foot wide tractor bro that's as big as my house what do you mean okay to put that in perspective my truck is i think 16 feet long exact this is wide y yeah Width. So this is more than two times my truck width. This is this is like ten trucks side by side. It's insane. Like about, but probably like eight, but still. Yeah. Um, yeah. Holt. So Holt also came up with the plan to lay down a pl plank path ahead of the tractor to reduce sinking, but this was too expensive and time consuming. This led him to wrapping planks around the wheels for more traction and weight distribution. He replaced the wheels on a forty horsepower Holt steamer with a set of wooden tracks bolted to chains. This was deemed successful on Thanksgiving Day in 1904. In Europe, a patent had come out for this design, but involving steel plates instead. And in 1911, Holt bought that patent from Richard Hornsby, the same year Holt trademarked Caterpillar. 
Holtz track type tractors played a support role in World War One. Even before the U.S. formally entered World War One, Holt had shipped 1,200 tractors to England, France, and Russia for agricultural purposes. These governments, however, sent the tractors directly to the battlefront, where the military put them to work hauling artillery and supplies. When World War One broke out, the British War Office ordered a Holt tractor and put it through the trials of Aldershot. The War Office was suddenly impressed and chose it as a gun tractor. Could you imagine? <laughs> Mounting a bunch of machine you, guns at the top of that sucker. Yes. Yeah, so, so you're standing there. You got your black powder rifle with a bayonet strapped on the tip. And all of a sudden, you're walking through the forest. You peek around. You see one of them caterpillar tractors with a gosh darn 50 cal machine gun mount on top of it. And you will, yeah, we best get out of here, boys. With as big as that thing is, that would probably be the most terrifying thing Seriously. that would ever happen to you in your entire life. But and like super indestructible yeah. as it had to have been. <laughs> but at the same time, you could probably outwalk it. Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> so yeah, um, over the next four years, Holt Tractor became the majority artillery tractor, mainly used to haul medium guns such as the 6-inch Hauser, 60-pounder, and later the 9.2-inch Houtzer. Holt would struggle struggle financially after large wartime contracts expires and farmers could could not use the heavy-duty machines for farming. C.L. Best Tractor Company, formed by Clarence Leo Best in 1910 and Holt's primary competitor, had during the war perceived government support enabling it to supply farmers with the smaller agricultural tractors they needed. As a result, Best had gained a considerable market advantage over Holt's by war's end. Best also assumed considerable debt to allow it to continue expansion, Especially production of its new best model 60, the Track Slayer. Track between, Slayer! Track Slayer! Between 1907 and 1918, Best and Holt spent about $1.5 million in legal fees fighting each other in a number of contractual, trademark, and patent infringement lawsuits. Harry H. Fair of the Bond Brokerage House of Pierce Fair and Company of San Francisco had helped to finance CL Best debt, and Holt shareholders approached him about their company's financial difficulty. Holy cow. Difficulty. Fair recommended that Caterpillar... Oh, sorry. That the two companies should merge. And in April and May of 1925, the financial stronger CL Best merged with the market leader Holt Caterpillar to form the Caterpillar Tractor Company. Over 30 acquisitions from other companies. Too many to list, but the most recent one was acquiring Marble Robot Incorporated out of San Francisco in 2020. This Marble Robot Incorporated company specializes in robotics, machinery for groceries, prescriptions, and package delivery. Something to make a note of. So what is that like? Does for? that include like drones and stuff too? I'm not sure. It seems like they they do stationary robotics. Oh, okay, um, okay. And like point of interest robotics, where um, someone brings something to this location and it can process for them, like prescriptions That's cool. and groceries. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we're talking about AI here. We're talking about something mechanical body that is almost living. Exactly. Yes. Which is going to be a big part of our lives. So buckle up for the next 60 years, boys. Caterpillar's five main product markets, construction industries, resource industries, power systems, financial products, and Andy. <laughs> Let's talk about machinery. Caterpillar okay. is the world's largest manufacturer of wheel loaders. I said Andy because I had uh, their five main product markets and I only have four listed. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I was gonna say. That's, that's what we got going here. 
Caterpillar is the world's largest manufacturer of wheel loaders. The small size wheel loaders, SWL, are designed and manufactured at facilities in Clayton, North Carolina. The medium size and large size wheel loaders are designed in their Aurora, Illinois facility. Medium wheel loaders are manufactured at Aurora, Illinois, Saga, Mihara, Kanagawa, Japan, Gasailis, Shariloi, Belgium, Piracicaba, San Paulo, Brazil. I love you, Beto. India and the People's Republic of China. I did not butcher any of those translations. No, just to let you know. You nailed it, dude. You nailed it. Large wheel loaders are manufactured exclusively in the United States on three separate assembly lines in Aurora, Illinois. Defense products. The Caterpillar Defense Products subsidiary headquartered in Shrewsbury, United Kingdom, provides diesel engines, automatic transitions, and other parts for UK's Titan Armored Bridge Layer Trojan Comet Engineering Tank, Terrier Comet Engineering Vehicles, and Tank Transporters, and the Romanian MLI-84 Armored Personnel Carrier, and the Swiss Piranha 3 Light Armored Vehicle, which is currently being developed for use by American Light Armored Foundations. Large fleets of military trucks in both the U.S. and U.K. and the CV-90 family of infantry fighting vehicles used by armies of Sweden, Norway, Finland, Switzerland, and the Netherlands, and, wait for it, Denmark. Pretty cool. Let's talk about electronics. The Caterpillar Electronics Business Unit, formed by Caterpillar Trimble Control Technologies. Say that five times fast. Caterpillar Trimble Control Technologies. Caterpillar Trimble could... Yeah, I can't. A 50-foot joint venture with Trimble Incorporated develops positioning and control products for earth-moving and paving machines in the construction and mining industries using technologies such as GNSS, optical total stations, lasers, and sonics. Could you imagine operating a $300,000 vehicle by sonar, lasers, what else did I say? GNSS, which I'm guessing has to do with um, uh, GPS, geographical positions, uh, to tell it to drive itself and what to look for. Are you saying this is this is like something they're working on now? This is something they have. This is real. Why don't they just use cameras like Tesla does or something? Because sonar, bro. Because okay. when you're digging into a mountain that's a mile deep, you have oh, okay, okay. aim a camera that far. Yeah, that, that makes more sense. Yeah, okay, yeah. which yeah, is yeah, why yeah. they use sonar, because it bounces right. off like caves and stuff, which is really cool. It is. Um, so yeah, let's roll into financial products and brand licensing. Caterpillar provides financing and insurance to its customers. Literally the smartest thing they could ever do. Via its worldwide dealer network and generates income through licensing Caterpillar and cat trademarks and logos. Caterpillar sells the right to manufacture, market, and sell products bearing the cat trademark to licensees worldwide. Wolverine Worldwide is one example, a licensee since 1994 and currently the sole company licensed to produce cat-branded footwear. Other licensees sell items including scale models of cat products, clothing, hats, luggage, watches, flights, flashlights, shovels, knives, fans, gloves, smartphones, and other consumer products. Brandy, why don't we have any cat gear? I want cat shoes. I want cat shoes. You can get them at Walmart. They're no, like, you can't. You can get a pair of boots at Walmart for 30 bucks with a cat freaking square on it. We should go buy some. We should yeah, make I'm... this our thing. Wear them every single podcast. Bro, now we're talking. Yeah, dude. Sponsor us, cat. Operations. 
Caterpillar products and components are manufactured in 110 facilities worldwide. 51 plants are located in the United States and 59 overseas. Caterpillar products are distributed to end users in nearly 200 countries through Caterpillar's worldwide network of 220 dealers. Caterpillar's dealers are independently owned and operated businesses with exclusive geographical territories. Dealers provide sales, maintenance, and repair services, rental equipment, and parts distribution. Finning, a dealer based in Vancouver, Canada, is Caterpillar's largest global distributor. GMMCO Ltd is India's number one dealer for Caterpillar machines. Um, last summer, a Caterpillar, I don't even know what you want to call it. It's huge. It's like four different buildings. A plant? A, a sales floor? A dealership? I don't know. A Caterpillar operation opened up just outside of my hometown. Um, it's freaking sick, dude. Really? Have you been there? No, it's just right off the highway. So I see it every time I drive by. Yeah. It's huge and it's sick. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's legit. Like we they should have... go there sometime. We should. Yeah. Podcast and ask, Hey, do you guys want to sponsor us and give us some free tractors or something? I think they would. Um, I want a backhoe. I don't know why I want a backhoe, but I want one. I'll be your backhoe. Moving on. Brandy. Yes. What would a good company be without some electric negative... vehicles? Someday. <laughs> oh, we're talking about controversies here. No, huh? no, no. That's where you're wrong because a good company, there's no such thing as a company without electric vehicles. So technically, you're it's right true. and wrong at the same time because you technically true. aren't a company if you ain't producing electric vehicles. <laughs> That's true. Or at least the batteries that power them. <laughs> Let's talk about labor practices. No more laughing. Okay, because this is, this is people's lives. Okay? Caterpillar came close to bankruptcy in the early 1980s. Oh, no. At one point, losing almost $1 million per day. Oh, my goodness. Due to a sharp downturn in product demand. No one As competition tracks. with Japanese rival Komatsu increased. And that being said... I think this is the perfect voice to say this. Komatsu's internal slogan was encircle caterpillar. <laughs> Literally meaning we are killing this company. How is that oh, even legal? My goodness, what? They might as well said get wrecked caterpillar. Yeah, get wrecked boy. Like, get wrecked. What do you mean, dude? Oh, how can you do that? Is that not slanderous? Like, Dude, they're in a different country. They have different laws. That's true. Yeah, but, it doesn't matter. Um, okay. That's pretty nuts, though. I think that's hilarious. Caterpillar suffered further when the United States declared an embargo against the Soviet Union after the Soviet Union invaded, invaded Afghanistan, causing the company to be unable to sell $400 million worth of pipeline machinery that they have already built and put into their balance sheets. $400 million. $400 million. Due to the drastic drop in demand, Caterpillar initiated employee layoffs, which led to strikes, primarily by the members of United Auto Workers, against Caterpillar facilities in Illinois and Pennsylvania. Several news reports at the time indicated that products were piling up so high in facilities that workers could barely make, it, make their way to their workstations. What? In 1992, the United United Auto Workers conducted a five-month strike 
against Caterpillar. In response, Caterpillar threatened to replace Caterpillar's entire unionized workforce. Could you imagine everyone that works for you is like, hey, bro, uh, this ain't it. This ain't right. And then the boss was like, hey, bro, what's good? Like, you just come to work or you're not going to have a job. (laughs) We're going to lay off 100,000 people. It's pretty nuts. Nuts. They got low-hanging fruit on them. (laughs) In 1992, the United Auto Workers, uh, yeah, they striked and unionized, whatever. Over 10,000 UAW members Struck again in 1994 to 1995 for 17 months. A year and a half. How do you not just quit at that point? Just holding a sign out front saying, Yeah. Pay me, pay me four more dollars an hour. That's wild. They probably had free snacks though, so I'd be. (laughs) (laughs) Free donuts for 17 months. Let's go. Uh, anyways, that strike ended with the UAW deciding to return to work without a contract despite record revenues and profits by Caterpillar. So they folded, and Caterpillar's like, What's up? We don't gotta retrain 100,000 more people. In June 2020, it was reported that Caterpillar Clothing Wholesalers Summit Resource International partakes in Chinese government-run labor transfer scheme that uses forced labor of Uyghurs in international camps. I'm looking at you, Alibaba. We don't racial we don't racially profile Uyghurs around here, okay? So so we're not gonna buy their shoes then. No. You want a Uyghur made shoe? No, I don't. That's Those people I'm are we're oppressed. Not, we're not gonna buy their shoes. They're oppressed. Okay? They're not even getting paid, and we have to pay th- we have to pay thirty dollars for a shoe to go to a company that doesn't pay that that uses people in in educational camps. To make boots for them. Scrap the boot, bucko. We ain't buying them. I don't care what you say. Let's talk about their environmental record. Because I feel like as a large diesel producing company, it's very important to care about the earth. Um, And they've done a fantastic job of doing that. Caterpillar Divisions have won Illinois' Governor's Pollution Prevention Awards every year since 1997. And now, if you don't look too hard into that, that was the year we were born, bro. Yeah. (laughs) So, you need to imagine that Caterpillar has probably the biggest influence in the state of Illinois that, bigger than the president, literally, they have more influence than the president in the state. Why? Why has another company or any, I don't know if this award, I don't go to the ceremonies. I don't know. You might go next year. Shoot, you're going to be in the state. <laughs> Maybe. Tell me why a company has won the same award for 24 years that has a negative impact. Like their machine, the things they produce do not help. Let's get into that. In Money. Of- <laughs> in 2004, Caterpillar participated in initiatives such as the United States Environmental Protection Agency's National Clean Diesel Campaign Program, which encourages retrofitting fleets of older buses and trucks with newer diesel engines to meet higher emission standards. So basically, what I'm saying here is 
um, they're like, okay, yeah, we'll pretend we're a cool company because we'll take all of our old vehicles and we'll charge people to put cleaner burning engines in them. And then everyone's like, oh, Caterpillar, look at you go. You're saving the earth. And they're like, yeah, we are. And then they go back to their boardroom and they're like, oh, what's up, suckers? Get wrecked. Guess what? We're still burning diesel. We got no defluent in this. It doesn't even matter. They're just more efficient. Who cares? You're still polluting this green earth we're living on. Okay? I'm not having it, Caterpillar. I'm not having anything of this $12 million that you donated in 2005 to the Nature Conservancy in a joint effort to protect and preserve river systems in Brazil and China. I'm not having it. Money, money doesn't buy you environmental protection. Okay? Atmospheres do that. Ice caps do that. Global temperature rises. Can you explain that, Mr. Diesel Engine? Caterpillar has, for many years, been a member of the World Business Council for Sustainable Development, based in Geneva, Switzerland, and has been listed on the Dow, the Dow Jones Sustainability World Index each year since 2001. I wonder, Brandy, how much money do you think it costs them to be posted on the Dow Jones Sustainability World Index? I just wonder how much money they have to fork up every year just to be just to have their name in a list with other companies. Because well, you bet your sweet bottom dollar that they're not they're not qualified for the list. I'm enraged. Please take the mic for a couple minutes before, so I can finish. Being popular ain't free. <sighs> Is that all you have to say? I just went through a lot. Okay, I just went through a lot. Okay. And the best part about the Brandy and Andy show, right here. You thought I was done. We are not even into controversies yet, ladies and gentlemen. We're just getting started. Actually, we are coming to a close here. But this is where the main meat gets nice and rare, baby. Let's talk about tax deferral techniques. Tax deferral techniques. In March 2017, when U.S. federal agents raided Caterpillar's head... Can I read that sentence again? Yeah, go for it. Go, please In March do. 2017, when U.S. federal agents raided Caterpillar's headquarters in Perora, Illinois. That's not good. That's really not good. They just it wanted free diesel engines. Yeah, I guess so. And boots. They're like, dude, 10,000 more bucks and we'll freaking leave. Like, come on. It was already evident that the company engaged in aggressive measures to control tax costs. I love this part. Oh, I love it. Since April 2014, the company's tax policies have been investigated by a Senate subcommittee headed by Senator Carl Levin. Those investigations under uncovered significant changes in Caterpillar's offshore tax strategy. <laughs> if you're not familiar with, and I put this in the fattest freaking quotes I can, offshore tax credibility, or sorry, offshore tax strategy. It basically means they're moving all of their money to another country, so they have to freaking pay U.S. freaking taxes. Uh, land of the free, home of the brave. Accumulating in the creation of the new Swiss subsidiary, Caterpillar S-A-R-L in Geneva. 
So another thing companies do is they'll open up fake companies. Uh, they'll make them seem super legit. They'll pretend they're doing business with them in another country to, uh, I don't know, move some money around. Because at the end of the day, they own both companies. And these fake invoices, they ain't real. Because they're not buying anything from this company that doesn't exist. And guess what? They aren't selling anything to this company that doesn't exist. But on paper, it's all there. That was in my layman's terms. Okay. In 1999, the former Caliper executive, Daniel Schlickscup. That is a last name and a half. Schlickscup. Oh my, that's actually his last name. Daniel, I'm sorry, bud, but you probably had a rough childhood. Mr. Yeah, Schlickscup. You can't say that five times fast, can you? Schlickscup, 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 Schlickscup. Schlickscup. Okay, you can. You can. Okay. Schlickscup. Hey, what's up, Schlick? Dude, that's what I would do to him. If he was in high school, if I was in high school, Daniel, I'd be like, hey, what's up, Schlick? Because it's like his bat his last name. Yeah, anyways, you get it. Accused the company of funneling profits from replacement parts to Switzerland where it had no warehouses or factories. What did I just say? Fake invoices for parts moving around that don't exist? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Interesting. So the IRS uh found the firm liable. For how much in unpaid taxes? For this is just for between 20, 2007 and two thousand nine. What do you think? Fifty eight million. Fifty eight million. Yeah, you're about uh, nine hundred and forty two billion dollars off. Million dollars oh. off. My bad. Yeah, one Ooh. one billion dollars. One billion dollars. They evaded for two years. The U.S. government they schemed out a billion dollars. What? And they wonder why people want stimulus checks. What? Like, they, the the executives of that company must have made so much freaking money, because this this is technically money that they don't have because it's taxed. But they're creating a fake narrative that they don't technically owe this money. But when in reality they're literally stuffing their pockets full. Insane. That's nuts. I love it though. I would do the same thing. Why not? At the same time, the architect of Caterpillar's fiscal strategy, Price Waterhouse Coopers, came also under scrutiny, owning this to a conflict of interest. Acting as Caterpillar's global tax consultant and controller, the Senate uncovered documents from the PwC saying elaborate move was simply a way to evade American taxes. We're gonna have to do some dancing, one said. All oh, these quotes are these quotes are beautiful. These are from um, Caterpillar executives. We're going to have to do some dancing, one said. And another noted, what the heck? We'll all be retired when this comes up on an audit. <laughs> those are my guys, dude. I don't know who those quotes came from, but um, literally goals. You've pocketed a million dollars of the United States government's money. Amazing. In 2004, the Office of UN High Commissioner of Human Rights sent a warning letter to the company about sales of bulldozers to the Israeli defense forces, which were used in part to destroy Palestinian farms. <laughs> That's not the company's fault, bro. They're just selling their tractors. Come on. Caterpillar Incorporated has sought out revocations of the registered trademarks in the United States, incorporated the word cat. I love how petty they get here. These guys literally have no friends. They have had not they have not had friends since the third grade. Incorporating the word cat within the market of appeal, such as cat and cloud a cafe in Santa Cruz, who they went to court with, one cafe in Santa Cruz, California. 
this is a top 300 company in the world going to corn with a very small cafe in California and win? and keyboard cat <laughs> keyboard cat <laughs> what song does he play didn't I can't think of it anyways the companies face criticism and perceived bullying even when the likelihood of confusion is low Brandon what do you got I just threw everything at you are you gonna go buy a you gonna go buy a caterpillar Oh, man, this is why you read about them, huh? I bet you most people do not know this stuff. Uh, no one knows this. Yeah. No. Yeah. This is why the Brandy and Andy show exists, because we are here to inform you. Information station. Information station. Information station. Um, with that being said, I do not own any Caterpillar shares. Um, their stock price is quite high, um, because they are a fairly large company, believe it or not. Um, they've gone up about 11 and a half percent the last month, 27% the last three months. Um, yeah, let's talk about 127% the last year. This company was founded over a hundred years ago. Wait, 95, 95 years ago. So, um, we're seeing insane growths. Um, they did. Their company took a dip starting in January of 2018, and it kind of went stagnant until the recent crash that we had in um, for coronavirus in March, um, when their stock price actually hit $95 March 20th, 2020. Um, since then, you know they've recouped up to $225. So if you are a value investor and you're like, oh hey, look. Uh, top 300 company in the world, top 100 company in the United States, just dropped down to under under $100. Heck yeah, let's jump aboard. You're a rich man. And I envy you. Like GME? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, like GME. I saw my share, bro. <laughs> just wait till that stock price hits 10K and then you'll be laughing. Yeah, dude, 10K, okay. <laughs> so many That's all I have for rich. Caterpillar. Well, I enjoy controversy, I have to say. It is one too. of my favorite things about reading about these different companies. Seriously. Some of them have done really messed up things. All of them, a dude. Lot of people don't it's know. It's real. It's real, yeah. and they hide it. The government yeah. hides it. The company hides it. Well, that's what happens when you have money. You can hide anything, right? It's amazing, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's sad because a lot of their controversy was all about money. I mean, I guess that's why you have controversy, right? But Pretty much. <sighs> Well, uh, I, I have to say, I don't think I will be investing in a cat anytime soon. Too expensive for me, as yeah, well as I don't, as so I don't see a lot of room improvement. I, I just can't see what they can do more. Like, there's, there's something, right? They're going to think of something, Bro, right? Bro, you could... Something you huge. Could, you could literally program three trucks to form a autonomous squad that could literally just repave roads by themselves. They could form a caterpillar. They could. So. But like, I mean, it, like, yeah, you could literally yeah, you yeah, could like we will see a group of trucks without any people place all the cones, diverge traffic, lay down a road all by themselves. And it's going to be pretty cool. That might happen eventually. Yeah. But that's that's probably know. at least 20 years. But yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. We need but to get well, the no. EV situation figured out. <laughs> 
once we get this EV stuff figured out, okay, yeah, we, then we can start talking about road maintenance. Yeah, because okay? you know, you know, they have to be battery operated by the time they can do that, or they won't be worth doing. Someone's nah. have to sit there and fill them up with gas or bro, diesel. Bro, they've been the govern. They've been the governor's choice of Illinois for the Clean Air Act since '97, bro. And you're telling me you don't think money has something to do? With never, that? never in our lifetime has another company won that award. Think about that. Our entire lives, Caterpillar has won that specific award. Since we've been alive. Since we can remember. <laughs> They've paid millions this, to the state for that award. At this point, it's a participation trophy, and we both know that. The, yeah, the governor's like, yeah, bro, just give me 100 grand. I'll give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> They probably have an auction every year, and they're just the highest Yeah, bidders. right, right. Oh, my gosh, dude. Can you imagine? There's, like, a bunch of CEOs from a bunch of different companies. Yeah. They're like, all right, who wants the award? We'll start at 10 grand. Then everyone's like, yeah, 10 grand over here. All right, 15, 20. And it's, like, it's a bidding war just to see who can get the recognition from the governor. <laughs> well, Andy, our main meet this week, I think it's time to come to a close. Um... Do you have any closing thoughts this week? Any anything you want to tell the viewers? Anything they should know? Um Yeah. So, um this is for the younger viewers and listeners that we have. So, the thing about life is that whether how much you like it or not, I love that I get deep into these, but Every time you ask me something comes to my head and I, I'm just going to keep going. So whether you like it or not, money drives everything in the world. Doesn't care how good of a person you are. Doesn't matter how much you give back. Literally doesn't matter. Um, at the end of the day, the money that you earn is yours and you can decide how to use it however you'd like because um, that's how life is. But um, giving something arbitrary value and making it lead your life really sucks but it's real so when you start to actually work for the foreseeable future of your life you need to understand that budgeting and allocating your funds and making sure that you stay out of debt as much as you can is something that you prioritize um just for a stable financial future and um, for your own well-being um, and you need to make sure that when you are going to be 65 that someone is looking out for you now um, financially and physically so most of the time when you get to that age the only person looking out for you is the government giving you a social security check which is absolutely nothing so you need to um, pay yourself your future self Open an IRA, get some long-term investments going, really, really, really take care of yourself. That's all I have. Very solid advice. I think a lot of people could take that to heart. And you need to think that. about it. You need to be serious about it. Because once you start getting like in your mid-20s, like that's when life becomes yeah. real. Like yeah. really real. And you start to see some nasty stuff. And it's just like, like what? Like it just Definitely. doesn't make sense. But yeah. the thing you can control is your money. That's something no one can take away from you. You have complete free reign of what you spend your money on. You need to be. I sound like my freaking like a freaking grandpa right now. 
Yeah, but it's true. But like, it's true. Co- and co- it's coming nuts. from two people who are almost halfway through their 20s at this point, like, I'm not going to say we know everything, but like, this is good advice because um, I only recently started investing into a 401k and crunching all those numbers for when I do get to retire because I have big goals in our retire. And I honestly wish I would have started earlier. So, Seriously. Even starting one year earlier can earn you an extra yeah. twenty twenty five thousand to fifty thousand dollars. Like, yeah, n- compounded interest is nuts. It's insane. The the every year you can add on it goes up exponentially. It's nuts. So like, even if you're like just getting out of high school, like you are, you would put yourself in a fantastic situation if you were able to just to con- contribute six thousand dollars a year to your IRA. It's not even that much money when you start thinking about it. But it, like the amount that it grows, like if you're 18 and you're retiring at 65, it's 57 years that your 6,000, your initial $6,000 first year investment has to grow. So think about it. Well, it's time to come to a close. We love having you guys listen, but this is the end end of the Brandy and Andy show. We will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening. I love you.